Hello everybody, Ken Krogh here with Tom Harrison and our guest today is Tim Ballard. We, we uh, finished an episode just a little bit ago where Tim told some of the background, some of the things that have been happening about his latest book, how Operation Underground Railroad was formed. But let's, let's talk now about, um, you know, Eternal Core is, is, is a God-centered mental health, a faith-based platform. Faith's been a really big part of, of your whole project. Every, everything started with, with some insights that you gained personally. Walk us through from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I never would have done this without the faith component. I never would have dreamed of doing it. I, I, um, I felt, you know, it, it was a counterintuitive move to go from the most uh, secure job in the world being a federal employee. Until just like two weeks, right? Right, until, <laughs> until most recently. Um, you know, going, going into what, 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 what many would consider the most insecure, financially insecure, starting a nonprofit, yeah. which less than, I, I mean, the statistics are horrible. They don't last, most yeah. of them, more than yeah. a year, right? Uh, and, and so I never would have done it without having received a confirmation that you will do this, you know? Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I had made these promises. I, last episode I told you about this, I made a promise to a father that I'd help him find his son. I made a promise to a group of Colombian officers that I would help them rescue 100 kids in Colombia. I made those promises when I thought I could still do that as a government agent. Ah, yeah. Um, and then I learned I couldn't. And I had to fulfill the promise. So I, I went to my wife, who's, whose faith is, you know, is heads and tails above mine. And, and, I, and I said, what do I do? And she's calm and she says, well, you have to fulfill these promises. These are real kids. I mean, you, you're going to actually go rescue 100 kids, which we did. And if, if, uh, a, a movie is now being made about that operation starring Jim Caviezel, which we can, I think maybe we've talked about or we can't talk about. Um, What's the name of this movie? The Sound of Freedom. The Sound yeah. of Freedom. Yeah, 20th Century it. Fox. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, it, you know, I, I had to make this decision ultimately. And I didn't know, I, I was scared to death to do it. You know, I was scared to death. And uh, at one point, it was December of 2013, I remember, I was having a total breakdown. Um, and I told my wife at one point, I'm not doing it. See, it, it was all fun until we started raising money. Wow. <laughs> Once the money came in, and Glenn Beck was very instrumental in getting us our first several hundred thousand dollars, when that money came, it was like, oh, oh my gosh, there's people. We're do yeah, I've, people, people are now. calling on me now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I freaked. And I told my wife, I'm not doing it. I'm going to give the money back. I'm not doing it. I actually had made the decision for a split second not to do it um, because what's going to happen in six months from now? I, I, this is money going to run out quickly. Operations are expensive. And my wife, she said, she, she sat me down, tried to calm me, because I was not calm. <laughs> and she says, let's just do an exercise real quick. And I don't know where she came up with this inspiration. She said, you have two paths right now. Explain what you see. I said, one path is scary as heck. It's dark. <laughs> it's, it's mysterious. It's uncertain. It scares me to death. And that's the path that of, of starting this foundation. This other path, I can see everything. I've been, I've been seeing this path my whole life. When I turn 50, I can retire. I have my pension. Then I get to do this. And I had all these ideas. I see the path. She says, okay, perfect. Now, in light of the promises you've made, the light, in light of the revelations, frankly, that we have received, and I don't have time to get into all of them, 
But many, many things had happened where it was a clear message from heaven. Yeah. You need to do this. You need to do this. I mean, so clear that you would, I'm embarrassed to even admit that I was saying I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Uh, so I knew I had the assurance hmm. from heaven, which is an important step, I, I believe, in faith. You know, put faith in things you've received an, an assurance yes. for first. Make sure it's yeah. true. Faith is, is, mm. is belief in something that's true. Yes. Not, not, not just a fun idea. So I knew it was a true principle because that, that was told me. And then she said, okay, now you got these two paths. Now, picture meeting your maker. Someday you're going to meet your maker and, and your maker is going to say to you, God is going to say, did I tell you to do something? Yes. Did you do it? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's reminiscent of Jonah and the whale. Yeah. <laughs> Looking down the throat of the whale and going, I think I'll go someplace else. I don't want to go to yeah, Nineveh. That's but you chose to go to Nineveh. I did. And he's been behind you the whole way. I did. He? I did. And, and you know what, what happened in that moment was, was life altering for me. It, I, I saw it before my eyes. When, when I pictured the meeting with my maker, and, and that was a very real thing in that moment, as my wife was doing this exercise with me. And then she said, go back to your two paths. What do you see? And I said, this path of staying in the government is scarier now <laughs> than anything over here. Wow. It's like, it was so, I thought, what will I miss out on? What blessings might not come? What am I going to say to my maker? And, and then I pictured him putting a video in. Let me show you all the kids that would have been rescued. Wow. Had you done what I asked you wow. to do. That's, and wow. so that path was like the most insecure path. This one, I still couldn't see everything, but it was warm and light. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. It wasn't scary anymore. It was like, you know what? If I end up living in a tent on a beach because I run out of money, I'm still happier over here than I am in this other path. And that was such a, I mean, that object lesson that she gave me, that mental exercise, I've relied on that. I've gone back to that many, many times when I'm, when I'm feeling, you know, doubting or, or, or fearful. I think of that. And, and, you know, the belief, the knowledge that I will have that meeting. I think if everybody woke up in the morning <laughs> and pictured the meeting with their maker, everyday decisions would be so much easier to make. And, and the right decisions would be made. If that was our context Absolutely. always. C.S. Lewis talks all about this. He's, he, you know, about right. what, what do you love more, this, 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 this life or the next? Uh, if you love the next one more and you, and you make that a focus, man, it, life becomes clear. Yes. Isn't it amazing? the power and inspiration wives can bring to us in these very difficult times. You know, it's, it, it never ceases to amaze me something that my wife says or something your wife said that moves us forward. And when they get behind us, there's nothing like it, is there? Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's a divine thing for sure, that, that, that marriage relationship. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what... I, I, couldn't, I wouldn't be doing anything. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have any power... Well, at doing. the conference, we're going to be speaking to m marriage groups in that special thing on Friday night. So that's why I wanted to bring that up, that, you know, we're going to try and tie this together and help people move together. So Tim and I will be there with uh, uh, Kenneth Cope to help and assist people in looking at marriage in a new way. So let's get back to the story. But just wanted to put a plug well, and, in and, for and, that and Friday evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, um, I mean, it was about two and a half years ago. I had gotten in my car accident, my truck accident, about three years ago. And that pulled me out of my business. We had just gotten behind promoting Operation Underground Railroad. I remember InsideSales.com, 
you know, donated a bunch of laptops to try and help in the aftercare. And then I got, you know, um, and, and that pulled me out. And then I, I got to know Tom, who really assisted me in my recovery. And shortly after that, the three of us got together and found there was some common connections there. And then um, Tom, I, I had the strongest feeling, and I didn't know why, but I had the strongest feeling that, that, that uh, Tom needed to be part of what we were doing at Mobilize. And I remember we pulled you down to speak to the team, and, and, and you said, you know, that's interesting, Ken, because I've felt the same thing. And we decided to work together, and then boom, all of a sudden, I realized, wait, you know, a person with your background at helping children recover from the most horrific forms of abuse, and then I had just been asked by you to assist in, in some of the social media and everything with, with, with OUR and, and with your project. And I thought, whoa, there's some real need here. Maybe we'll get you guys together. And for, it's been the last almost year and a half um, you've been assisting both with helping some of the aftercare and some of the operator, learning a little bit about you know, selection. And maybe you guys could talk a little bit some of the things that goes on behind the scenes in this in this world of aftercare and why it takes you know some real expertise in, in oh, yeah. mental health to help these you know, people one, recover. One thing, one thing I'll say to start off with is, um, you know, we have um, we're in twenty like I said we're in twenty countries, twenty two states. We need partners aftercare partners we we don't reinvent the wheel we find those who already have a base knowledge of expertise yes. but we have to select the correct ones to take the kids that we rescue to them and uh and and tom's been very helpful in my personal understanding and our team's understanding of how this works and how these kids can heal um and one of the things that tom taught me and taught our team that was so insightful and so powerful um and I didn't know this, and I probably I feel like I, I feel like I should have known this, having worked for so many years in tra trafficking. But um, uh, if you look at the brain of a child um, who's been sexually abused over many years and has experienced that trauma, that brain actually has physical <laughs> hurt, physical damage, similar to how, probably how your brain looked after you were yes. hit, right? And so the healing is a, is a very physiological healing as well. And, and um, Tom presented studies, the paper she's done about how when a child is in a family environment, the, he, the brain heals you know, a lot faster and a lot more effectively. That there's that something happens there. Um, once we learned that, I had a whole new kind of standard for how we vet our aftercare. We started working with the groups that understood that, that they, uh, they treated their, their survivors as family. Uh, oftentimes, there's, they, 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 they actually group them in families. They make wow. them. You know, and then that inspired us to get into, into the adoption side of things. And my wife founded um, CNF, Children Need Families. We, we just used Tom's research and said we're going to call the title. The foundation's called Children Need Families. And when I say that, I picture that brain healing. Uh, and, um, and we have, uh, we started, we, we founded that last year and we, we got 13 children last year into homes. Uh, children who we have found in, in, in bad situations overseas and got them into families. And we're going to probably double that number this year and continue to grow it out. Um, so the idea of families and, and the, the role families and the family environment plays in healing, literally physiologically, the brain and the soul and the spirit, you know, is um, 
was, was a fundamental thing that, that Tom brought to our, to our organization to help us uh, really uh, up our game in, in, in the healing side of this. I, I love the aspect of when Tim and the team go forward to do a um, rescue, how Tim asks for a group of people to pray or yes. to get on their knees at a certain time. And, you know, maybe you don't want that shared, but, but it's so significant to be on your knees when you know that there's this group of individuals in harm's way yeah. that really need all the help from heaven. Yes. And, and you feel such an amazing part of the team. You're not in Haiti with them. You're not, you're not in South America with you, but you are part of that team and all at once you know there's this group of individuals on their knees pleading that the, the team will be protected, but also that there is help coming to these victims. I mean, you've, you've had that happen, I mean, with your own family and, and, and trying to find your two little kids. And, and I remember you've, I've got a text from you three minutes before you know, the van doors open and you guys are, yeah. are, are in harm's way. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, more. absolutely. Yeah, I love talking about it because we actually encourage people to go to our OURrescue.org and sign up to be a, a member of our prayer team. Wow. Um, where we send something out before the operation. We don't necessarily say where we are or sure, you what can. we're doing, but it's a powerful thing. And what's interesting is some people say, well, I want to support OUR, but I don't pray. I don't believe in prayer. I even have some team members, very few, but they, they, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily believe in that. But... Again, thanks to Tom's training and what he's taught me, I can go to these guys and say, look, you don't find it. Maybe you don't believe in it, but let me tell you that there's, scientifically, there's scientific evidence that when you're, when you're on your knees praying, look, at the, look what happens. Your, your, your brain actually releases some amazing chemicals, <laughs> dopamine and... And um, what's catecholamines the, and endorphins and endorph and and I need you to have those. <laughs> yeah. So get on your knees. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's fine. You, you scientifically can prove it. Right. See, heaven works through science, right? Yeah. Always. So it's it's those chemicals in my mind is what opens up the veil and allows us to access heaven better. Um, so anyway, uh, just more just more amazing insight there. But let me tell you a story uh, that happened in a, in a very big operation, a very important operation. Uh, we were tracking down the worst traffickers in Haiti. And we got to the very end. We knew where they were, or at least some of them were. We didn't know where the kids were, but we figured where they were, the kids would be close by because they were hiding their kids in these hidden brothels in the streets. And we couldn't determine where they were, but we had to move with the police to arrest them because they came up from the rat hole for that moment. And so we were moving... The details would take too long to get into how we got to this point, but just know we're at this point. We're three minutes from arresting the, the, the kingpin of the, tra- of the trafficking organizations in Haiti. And we've done everything we can do, but we don't know where the kids are. And we pray. And one of my operators is, is giving a prayer in Haitian Creole. Another operator, t- 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 the day earlier, a, a Messianic Jew, gives this prayer where he sings this prayer in Hebrew. I, we, you, that's, I yeah, that's in the it. film. It's incredible. Okay, and, and what we're asking for is, God, help us find the kids, because that's the one part we, we can't do on our own. We've done everything we can. Now listen to this. This is, what, this is an example of why we do it. We're, we're traveling up the street. We're three minutes from the target. The prayer just ended, and 
one of my evidence technicians, a guy named Jacob Justice, who I think you both know, yes. who works for us, comes bounding back and in this van, he, and he pulls out this little GoPro camera, and he puts it on the helmet of one of the Haitian police officers who's sitting in the back facing out. It's a van that's going to open back. The hatches are going to open. And you're gonna, with duct tape. Yes. With duct tape, yeah. <laughs> and he pulls, out his, he pulls out his duct tape, and he awkwardly, like, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Like, we don't have time yeah. for this. And I'm kind of laughing, kind of mad, and kind of some, you know, and like, what, he's like, I don't know. I have to, I, I'm supposed to put a camera on this guy. Well, why him? Why not the others? Like, I don't know. I just... Just let me do it. And so he, the cops is looking at him like, okay, whatever. So he turns this sleek-looking Kevlar helmet into what now looks like a, a, miner's, a, a cap miner's cap with the, with the cap just kind of uh, this, this kind of loosely hanging on camera. And, and, and we hit the spot. The door opens. We go out. We arrest the bad guys, and all this is happening. Then as the dust is kind of settling, it's dark. It's dangerous. We've got to get out of here. I look across the street, and this, this steel red door opens up from across the street. It looks like a, a custodian closet, closet. It looks like nothing. You wouldn't even think anything of it. But it opens up, and out come these little girls. These little girls who are dressed like adult prostitutes. Shattered looks in their eyes, scared to death. And, they're, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Because right behind them is this cop. And the cop is distraught, and he's saying, they got away, they got away. We're trying to figure this out. The bad guys are, are cuffed. These kids are obviously connected, because they're across the street. And we go over to the cop, and he says, what do you mean? What do you mean he, <clears throat> they got away? He says, I walked in here, and what he had walked in on was something I'd never, in, in my 15 years of doing these operations, we'd never, I've never walked in on the act, in pro, in the, 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 the sinful act in progress, a child being raped. He walked in on it. And the Johns all got, got up, the predators jumped, got up and ran out. And he, we're still training these guys, and he should have called for backup, but he didn't call for backup. He, kind of, he went in alone. Wow. Um, one other cop might have come in, but they weren't, neither of them were prepared, and they didn't know what to do. They went to the kids, and the bad guys ran out, and he's like, they got away, they got away, they got away. And, um, and, uh, and now it's his word against the kids' words. Did that happen? Were they actually being raped? And it's just like, so there's a lot, that's why you want more cops and lots of witnesses. We have one witness, and the bad guys are gone, and the kids don't want to tell, we don't want to put them on the stand, so that's always a problem. So it's like, shoot, we have this opportunity, and he's, the cops, again, saying they, they got away, they got away. Then we hear Jacob Justice from behind, no, they didn't get away. Like, what are you talking about? Now, there's about 12 to 15 cops on the ground arresting people running around the streets. Only one cop went into that room. And when Jacob Justice says, no, they didn't get away, and then he walks up, and we get closer, squinting our eyes through the, through the, you know, the bad lighting on the street, darned if it wasn't that cop that went into that place. What happened was, when he got out of the van, he was supposed to go left, but instead he, he caught, his eye caught a little girl who ran into the red door. And he had the probable cause to go in there. He went in there and saw what he saw. Wow. He was the one with the camera. When Jacob just jumped back, he, he gave it to the third cop. Well, the third cop was, Jacob couldn't have known this. The third cop was going to be the one who saw because he, he, he came and had the peripheral. You and that was critical to the whole mission. Oh, yeah, because w not only do we have the identities of the, of the predators, more importantly, we have the act, the criminal act, there. So no one can now say they didn't rape those girls because the girls, again, you don't put them on the stand. You don't want to do that right. and re-victimize them. Sometimes you have no other choice, and it's a horrifying experience. You don't want to do it. We don't have to do it.
because someone in heaven told Jacob Justice to put a camera on this guy's helmet. And we caught the act, we caught the sex act, which is now in evidence and being used to prosecute the traffickers we arrested across the street, you see? Yeah. Unbelievable miracle. But we, we've come to expect these. These, these. these things happen to us all the time. And I will stand proudly and boldly and say that's because we pray and we believe and we pray that heaven, we, we believe that God loves the children. We believe, we believe when, 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 when Jesus says, it's better that a millstone be wrapped around your neck and you be tossed into the sea. Think about that. That's, a, that's, that's violence. That's yes. one of the few, if, maybe the only time really, that Christ is speaking violence, righteous violence. I mean, that, a millstone on someone's neck and toss them into the ocean? Wow, wow. That's like the mobs, that's like mobster stuff, right? But I think it also <laughs> states how difficult it's going to be for those individuals to be able to come back. You know, that that is what this horrible crime does. It takes you to those depths and destroys you to such a degree that it, that it's like trying to come up from the bottom of the sea with a millstone around yeah. your neck. I think it's speaking the violence, but it's also speaking to how difficult it is to yeah. change that process once you've. Yeah, and it's and it certainly is. But we know the point. The, you know the point, and the, that scripture for me also is that we know that God loves the children a yeah. lot. Right. And, and he's going and after so, his kids first. Yeah. So if we're gonna if we're gonna pray for that and our intent is pure. We're going to see miracles. Yeah. I remember one gal who, um, you know, was ready to give up hope and, you know, was pleading that day and it was later that day that you came, that the hope came and, and you know, she was finally rescued and, you know, that correlation. I don't know that story well, but I remember those components. Well, it's again, it's another God component too yeah. because one of the little girls that we rescued she had been kidnapped after the earthquake, um, six, seven years old in Haiti. Yeah. And that's what happens when there's a disaster like that. It's, it's, it's the traffickers move in. It's harvest time for the traffickers. They have abandoned children. That's how my children were kidnapped and ended up with traffickers, and we got them out, and they're not my children. Same earthquake. Mm. This little girl was taken. So imagine this. For eight years, she's a sex slave. And she knows that she lives in the darkest, in the most obscure nation in the world, not only that, but in the darkest corner of that most obscure nation, behind a little red door, who's going to open that door? Why would she ever have hope? Um, but when we came and got her out, um, she began to talk, and the first words she said were, can I really have hope? Can I really have hope? And then Jessica Mass, our director of aftercare, says, yes, this is real. We are real. This is, you're done. And she says this, and here's the God component. She says, do you know what today is? And Jessica looks on her phone and says, it's January 12th. She's like, do you know when the earthquake was? The day I was kidnapped was January 12th, 2010. Oh, my heaven. Today's January 12th, 2018. God is talking. Wow, that's beautiful. There's been some other amazing breakthroughs. And um, I want to say one more thing. Please. I, have to, I have to mention this. I'm sorry. Please. Our lead operator on the ground, uh, his, his name is Jim Pentiote. Amazing man, God-fearing man. I mean, this guy has been working miracles for us in Haiti. Uh, this was the first operation we did. He led it on the Haitian side. And then that, and that turned into political uh, gravitas where we're working with the president now because of these successes. Uh, Jim died last week, a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Had a heart attack and died. 
just out of the blue, healthy as healthy guy. Um, we believe in angels, though. We believe that he might be called to the other side to do work. We can do things we, we never could do. Once we came to that realization, um, I was sitting in bed late at night. I was thinking about that. You know what? We have, we have an angel over there. Yeah. We, he'll be involved in, in the ride-alongs. He'll be, he'll be involved. But now listen to this. As after I came to that realization, I didn't put this together. Um, we did a video for him. We did a video kind of track, you know, some music. And then it ends with, you know, born this day, died this day. And I looked at the video and I thought, how did I not see this? He died on January 12th. Oh, my heaven. One year exactly after the rescue of that little girl. Uh -huh. So I, then, then yeah. I knew for sure. No a second witness. No coincidence yes, at all. Yes, he is on he That's is beautiful. Be there. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was going to talk about, um, there's, there's been some other really powerful breakthroughs. There's been a young woman, I understand, that, that, uh, that was, was kidnapped and moved across the border yeah. and was taken in the New York City area. Yeah. Tell us that story because it's something you've both been working on. An amazing story. You know, this is, uh, there's 10,000 children, like I said last episode, there's 10,000 children smuggled into the U.S. Forced into the U.S. Into the U.S., forced into the commercial sex trade. Yeah. This little girl, we'll call her Liliana, um, she's one of them. Kidnapped at age 13 um, from Central America. Um, taken across the desert. Um, you know, this is not political. This is just truth. Had there been a wall, she likely, this wouldn't have happened. Okay, yeah. Completely different we can perspective. Talk, oh, look, we're, we're not talking about keeping foreign people out. That's, that's the argument that one side wants to use to, to, to invoke outrage. You can look at it that way. Well, I don't, I'll tell you how I look at it. The highest consuming nation of child sex is the United States. We are the demand. We are the monsters. That wall protects these innocent children from other countries from being smuggled into our monsters. It protects them, forces the traffickers wow, to take them through the ports of entry. the whole scenario, too. Yeah, right. Instead of saying, we're trying to keep people out, no, we're trying to, we're trying to protect these people from our monsters. Because you force the kids through the ports of entry where they can be rescued. And I've seen that happen. I spent 10 years as a special agent on the border. That's where you rescue the kids, where the high technology is concentrated, where the agents are there, the officers are there. You want to push the flow that way. Or better yet, these traffickers say, look, I can't get, I don't want to go through that wall. I don't want to go through the port of entry. I'm going to try another business besides the kidnapping of children business. So you can actually limit the, 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 the actual supply. You can actually limit the, 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 you know, decrease the amount of, of kidnappings that happen. So, and, and can I just go, I'm sorry, can Please, I just go here for a no, second? I'm going yeah. on a tangent, but I just, I, I've heard the opponents of the wall, a couple, there's a couple points I want to make. One, uh, it's immoral, I'm told. It's immoral. I've heard this many times from the leadership of Congress saying it's, it's immoral. And I think, wait, is it, it's immoral? And in light of what I just explained to you, it's immoral. But then those very people, I'm really going off on a little tangent here, but those very people know that there's, a, there's, there's 30% of that border is a wall. So it's either immoral or not immoral. So if it's immoral, for heaven's sake, tear down the 30% that exists. But they're not even calling for that. Right? Why? I, I mean, why are they not calling for it? Because if it's immoral, it's immoral. Unless you're telling me that 30% of a wall is not immoral. So I, I, with that logic, I guess you can cheat on your wife as long as you only go 30% of the way. You can rob a bank so long as you only take 
of the money in the vault. Wow. No, what's going yeah. on is they know that the wall works. Yes. They're not invoking to tear down the immoral wall, you know, that exists. This is, a, this is something, this is another agenda that I don't know what they're thinking. But I know they're not thinking about Liliana. I, I know they're not thinking about these children. We're also told that the, the symbol of America needs to be the Statue of Liberty, not the wall. And again, I just, I'm dumbfounded. Because I say to myself, I look at Liliana and the thousands of, of children who went through what she went through. And, and I'll say this, they didn't get, you quoted the, statue, the, the, the Lazarus poem, right, earlier. Uh, bring me your, your, your give me your, give tired, me your, tired your, poor, your poor, your, your huddled, huddled masses, masses yearning to, to breathe, breathe free, free, right? The wretched refuge of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Yeah. Okay, so I love it. Because I say to myself, I look at Liliana, and I say, is that what she got? Did she get that offering from the statue? No, she was forced into to the, to the, to the hands, into the ugly paws, because they're monsters, of American sex predators. She didn't get that promise. But you know what? Had there been a wall, she might have got that promise. So the wall doesn't conflict, doesn't contradict the Statue of Liberty, though the wall actually preserves and protects everything the statue claims to stand for and, and offers these huddled masses. Mm -hmm. So I'm so frustrated because they're not making this argument about the children, right? And frankly, the wall opponent, the proponents aren't either. Guys, make it about the children. Speak truth to power. The wall would have saved Liliana. Yes. Um, and uh, anyway, but in, in this case, she wasn't saved. And she spent five years of hell being raped 30 to 50 times a day, that's not an exaggeration, for money until she was finally liberated and we got a hold of her. We, we have her in care and, we, and she's been working, and Tom's been working with her to, to help rehabilitate her and to, to help to heal her. And the progress she has made has been, you know, has been just... Astounding. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, she's wanting to tell her story. She wants to tell her story That's so bad. That's a breakthrough, bad. isn't it? Oh, it's a breakthrough. She will tell her story. She will. The yes. problem is right now she's the star witness in a major federal investigation okay. and prosecution. So we have to be careful when she comes out. But when, her, when the prosecutors say that it's, it's okay, I mean, she's ready to tell her story um, and, and help defend these other kids. I think someday we'll look back and see the advocate she'll become and we'll be pleased to know that she was one that did get rescued and she'll do an amazing work. Oh, she will be a, a powerful voice. We, she wants to tell her story, which I, I, I'm told many times that when they're ready for that, that, that shows obviously a lot of progress and it can actually help with their healing, right. I imagine, right? right? I've been told that. Right, because it, it changes that whole trauma structure in the brain to I, have, I am now an advocate. I, and then they identify with the advocacy instead of the trauma. Um, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. And so they become the adv advocacy. Intent has so much to do. It's prayer. You know? And that's why you tell the ones who don't believe, you say, the intent is what's powerful. And if you can get behind me in the intent, when we put intent out there, then what happens is it it grows exponentially. It increases exponentially our true intent. And that's why our intent has to be valid. It has to be honest. It has to be powerfully 
put out there. And then it has the power to change, hmm. ch change our brains, but also change lives. Hmm. Wow. Everybody, this is uh, Tom Harrison and Ken Krogh with the Eternal Core podcast. We're grateful to have Tim Ballard with us here today. Um, we're, we're gearing up for one more episode. Tim's got some amazing things. He's, he's already underway on a national speaking tour. Tim, can you join us for one more in just a bit? Yes. Thank you. Remember, we've got our event March 29th and 30th at the Little America Hotel, eternalcore.org. Go and get yourself a seat reserved because they're going pretty quick. Come join us with Tim.